Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Real Talk about CDK4-6 inhibitors in the treatment of HR-positive HER2-negative advanced breast cancer using real-world evidence to impact patient outcomes. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Pfizer Incorporated. Hi there, I'm Dr. Richard Finn from the Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA in Los Angeles, California, where I'm a professor in the Department of Medicine in the Division of Hematology Oncology. Today, we'll discuss the latest real-world evidence concerning the frontline use of CDK4-6 inhibitors in patients with hormone receptor positive HER2-negative advanced breast cancer and implications for patient care. Let's start by reviewing the current guidelines for recommended first-line regimens and why real-world evidence is needed The NCCN guidelines, as well as other national guidelines and international guidelines, all reflect the importance of using endocrine treatment in combination with CDK4-6 inhibitors in the frontline setting. This is based on multiple randomized phase three studies, which have demonstrated that for patients who are candidates for an aromatase inhibitor, there's a significant benefit in PFS with the use of CDK4-6 inhibitors. This includes palbociclib, abemocyclib, and ribociclib. In addition, for patients who are felt to be resistant to an aromatase inhibitor, Category 1 evidence supports the use of fulvestrin and CDK4-6 inhibitors in combination. These regimens improve outcomes for patients by minimizing the toxicity associated with chemotherapy. Palbociclib received accelerated approval in 2015. Subsequently, ribocyclib and abemocyclib were approved in 2017. The use of these drugs has been shown to improve outcomes consistently. We can see that while there has been uptake in the use of CDK4-6 inhibitors over time, there's still a sense that more patients should be receiving these drugs based on the available evidence and recommendation from guidelines. Specifically, women should not be receiving chemotherapy in the frontline setting except in specific subgroups where there is imminent risk of organ failure. Real-world evidence helps us understand how new regimens are being implemented in clinical practice. When we look back at the data available over the past decade, we see that what happens in clinical practice does not always reflect what is recommended and that by not following guidelines, there's actually an increase in Medicare costs and that probably affects patient outcomes and quality of life. So there are limitations to real-world evidence, but keep in mind clinical trials focus on a very specific population that does not always reflect what we see in clinical practice. And that is where real-world evidence can come into play. We can get expanded efficacy and safety data on populations that are not represented in clinical trials. It can also support the findings that are seen in phase three studies. And there is also precedent for using real-world evidence to expand indications, such as the use of palbociclib for male breast cancer. In conclusion, guidelines consistently have recommended the use of CDK4-6 inhibitors in the first-line treatment of patients with hormone receptor positive HER2-negative advanced breast cancer. However, data suggests that there are still a number of patients who are eligible and appropriate for these drugs that are not getting them. In the next session, we'll take a look at what real-world evidence says about the efficacy of CDK4-6 inhibitors in the treatment of hormone receptor positive HER2-negative advanced breast cancer.
In this session, we'll look at the real-world efficacy data for the first-line CDK4-6 inhibitors in the treatment of patients with hormone receptor positive HER2-negative advanced breast cancer. Let's start with an overview of data from randomized controlled trials evaluating these agents. At this time, there have been seven placebo-controlled phase three studies of endocrine treatment with CDK4-6 inhibitors. This includes the Paloma program, Mona Lisa program, and Monarch program with palbociclib, ribociclib, and abemocyclib, respectively. While all of these studies had slight differences in inclusion criteria and endocrine partner, It is remarkable the consistency of the data when we look at the primary endpoint for these studies of progression-free survival. The hazard ratios are all in the 0.56 range, plus or minus, the exception being Paloma 3, where the hazard ratio is 0.46. But needless to say, all of them giving a very similar magnitude of benefit in delaying progression. These studies all showed impressive response rates, competitive or superior to chemotherapy in this disease. And now we're seeing overall survival data from these studies, many of them meeting this important secondary endpoint as well. Since their approval, there's been numerous efforts to collect real-world data with these agents. One of the largest experiences comes from palbociclib and letrozole with a population of over 1,400 patients. In this data set, just as in the phase three study, the hazard ratio for progression-free survival is 0.59. And we also see an improvement in median overall survival with palbociclib from 40 months in the letrozole alone arm to a median survival that's not reached with palbociclib and letrozole, a hazard ratio of 0.63. should be noted that while we see this benefit in the real-world data set, in the phase three study, Paloma 2, while there was a numerical improvement in overall survival, this did not reach statistical significance. The Reality PX study was another real-world evidence study looking at over 2,800 patients treated with palbociclib and an aromatase inhibitor versus an aromatase inhibitor alone. And just as in the other real-world evidence study with palbociclib, we see that this data mimics what was seen in the clinical trial with a benefit with palbociclib and AI with a hazard ratio of 0.68. Similarly to the prior real-world evidence study, we see an improvement in overall survival from 40 months with AI to just over 53 months with palbociclib and letrozole with a hazard ratio of 0.67. When we look at real-world data with ribociclib and endocrine treatment, whether it be an aromatase inhibitor or fulvestrant in a population of just under 2,600 patients, again, we see a consistent benefit as seen in clinical studies in terms of progression-free survival. This was also compared to a population of patients who got chemotherapy. And again, the CDK46 doublet with ribo and endocrine treatment was superior. Finally, there is now real-world data with abemocyclib, which again mimics the impressive activity of this agent in combination with endocrine treatment in regards to PFS. In conclusion, we see that real-world evidence does support the efficacy seen with CDK4-6 inhibitors in randomized control studies. This should give clinicians confidence that their population of patients should receive benefit from these drugs. So in the next session, we'll discuss how the real-world safety data compare with the safety profiles demonstrated in these randomized controlled studies. In this session, we'll start by taking a brief look at the safety data from randomized control trials before we get into real-world safety data with all three CDK4-6 inhibitors.
The CDK4-6 inhibitors in combination with endocrine treatment have performed very well in terms of efficacy and have a very solid safety profile. Thousands of patients have been treated with these drugs, and clearly the most common side effect seen with palbocyclob and ribocyclob tends to be neutropenia and leukopenia. This is an on-target effect of CDK4-6 inhibition. Similarly, abemocyclob also causes neutropenia and leukopenia, but not to as high grade and high frequency. With abemocyclob, there is more GI toxicity, specifically diarrhea. With ribocyclob, there is caution required to monitor for QTC changes with ECGs, as well as liver function abnormalities. Abemocyclob also needs to be watched for liver function abnormalities, as well as DVT risk. When we look at palbocyclob, we see that it has performed very similar in real-world studies as in the randomized controlled studies. Again, the most common side effect being neutropenia and specifically grade 3, grade 4 neutropenia occurring maybe less frequency than we saw in the clinical trials, less commonly diarrhea. Ribocyclob was looked at in real-world data in the Ribana study, looking at AI and fulvestrin. And again, grade 3-4 neutropenia were seen as far as serious complications from this neutropenia that is uncommon. And when we look at other things that have been reported with ribocyclob, such as EKG QT prolongation or elevated liver enzymes, these do occur at a relatively low frequency, especially grade 3-4. Finally, abemocyclob also has a very consistent real-world evidence profile when we're looking at safety. Again, there is a risk of venous thromboembolism. One of the most common things to see is diarrhea, and that needs to be monitored and managed proactively. It is not infrequent to have to dose reduce or discontinue. However, high-grade neutropenia is less common than seen with the other compounds. So in real-world safety evidence, we can conclude that the safety that we saw in phase three studies appears to occur in the real world setting. There really are no new safety concerns in the real world population. And this should give us a lot of confidence that these drugs play an important efficacy role and an important safety position for our patients. In this next session, let's discuss the application of real world evidence to the treatment of patients with hormone receptor positive HER2 negative breast cancer. Unfortunately, the majority of patients treated in the United States do not participate in randomized control trials. Less than 10% of adult patients enroll in clinical trials in the management of their disease. And despite the NIH Revitalization Act, it is still clear that there is a skewed population of patients that go into clinical trials and that there can be an underrepresentative proportion of patients who are minorities, including African-Americans, older patients, or other minorities not represented, and in some diseases, lower accrual of women. The clinical trials with CDK4-6 inhibitors all accrued very similar populations, though there were some specific inclusion-exclusion criterias. But needless to say, majority of women in these studies tended to be of white race, except for the premenopausal studies, which had a higher incidence of Asian accrual. The others did not have a significant proportion of these patients. Similarly, the number of patients who were Black were single digit in all of these studies. In addition, when we look at ECOG performance status, these studies were restricted to ECOG 0 and 1. When we look at the real-world evidence presented with CDK4-6 inhibitors, we get broader demographics. The median population is a little older than in the phase three studies. There are more patients who identify as black in these studies. 
and we have more patients that represent a higher ECOG. When we look at the real-world evidence, we can use it to address gaps that are not answered by randomized control studies. Over the lifespan of a drug, real-world evidence can be used to fill in gaps in regards to efficacy in different populations. As new agents come to market, we can look at cost-effectiveness as well as efficacy and safety of these drugs. And with longer-term follow-up, getting a better understanding of prescribing patterns and differentiating these drugs from other drugs in the therapeutic space. So because randomized controlled trials are expensive and time-consuming, they're performed in highly selected patients that may not be representative of the future treatment population. Real-world evidence allows us to get greater insight into the efficacy and safety profiles in a more diverse population of patients. This is in regards to race, age, disease characteristics, as well as ECOG performance status, as well as prior treatments. The real-world evidence for CDK4-6 inhibitors in hormone receptor positive HER2-negative metastatic breast cancer is maturing and supports a strong efficacy and safety profile. So how do we ensure that our patients are getting the right information to make the right treatment choices for themselves? Let's take a look at how we can incorporate real-world evidence into the shared decision-making process. It's important to relate to patients that guidelines and FDA approvals are generally based on prospective randomized control studies, certainly for broad approval. Still, regulatory agents look at real-world data as important data sets, and that is evidenced by the fact that palbociclib received FDA approval for the treatment of hormone receptor positive HER2-negative advanced male breast cancer based on real-world evidence. We know that for the patients sitting in front of us, many of them will not qualify for phase three clinical trials. And therefore, we need to have some sense that what occurs in a phase three study will be relevant to our patients. And patients themselves have to have confidence that a clinical trial will have some applicability to themselves. And that's where real-world evidence can be used to help explain these ideas. We know with the CDK4-6 inhibitors that the real-world evidence seems to recapitulate the phase three studies. It also recapitulates the safety profile as well. Despite these real-world evidence studies being much larger, as well as not having rigid inclusion and exclusion criteria. This is language that a patient can understand. In addition, when we look at the overall survival data from the real-world evidence studies, it does support the use of these drugs in a manner as we see in the clinical guidelines. We also want to point out that the safety we see when we use these drugs in clinical practice, dosing them as we do and following patients and imaging them as we do in clinical practice, we know our patients will be getting a benefit from these drugs. It can be hard to explain a randomized phase three study trial design and the nuance versus real-world data sets that come from large electronic medical records that have a large number of patients treated by generally community physicians. So real-world evidence can be a valuable tool in the shared decision-making process with our patients with advanced breast cancer and should be included in our discussions. So in closing, while the use of CDK4-6 inhibitors in the first-line treatment of hormone receptor positive HER2-negative advanced breast cancer is recommended treatment regimen, it is underutilized to the detriment of patients. 
Really, we need to increase the use of these drugs in appropriate patients. As we know, the clinical trial data and now real-world evidence supports the use of CDK4-6 inhibitors in first-line therapy and should be included in shared decision-making with patients when creating a personalized treatment plan. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.